0: So today, you picked a great day to be in the house of God. We're going to continue a message that we started a brand new sermon series last week titled, one person titled, there we go, titled, Blessed. I really feel like it's a great way for us to kick off and jumpstart our holiday season. Did y'all know that like we're in the holiday season already, which is crazy? Anybody else's mind like blown? All right? Like Thanksgiving's right there and then Christmas is like right there too. So we're right there in the middle of it, folks. It's the best time of year for us to give God the glory. Amen. This is the time of season where the church really gets to shine. We get to bless our communities. And so this message, I feel like is a great way for us to jumpstart this season of Thanksgiving and the season of Christmas. And the message is titled, Blessed. And we really started from a place of seeing Talking about recognizing that each and every one of you, each and every one of us, each and every one of your kids, your grandkids are blessed. We are the most blessed nation on the face of God's creation. Did you know that? I know we got a lot of crazy stuff going on in our world, right? But we are still blessed. Did you know that most of the world on average still lives on fifty a day? to eat. Y'all, we are blessed. So we talked about that. We also wanted to challenge you that maybe the life that I consider blessed, the world standards of being blessed, really don't measure up to or even jive with what God says being blessed really is. And what being blessed really looks like. right? Because God's kingdom is what? It's And backwards to the way we think, to the way my flesh, this earthly, fleshly body I have, the way it leans. And so God wants to bless us. Okay, He wants you to have a a nice life, a good job, a good home, a good, healthy home, all the things, right? But we can't be chasing the things. I have to be chasing Him. And when I put Him first, He adds those things onto me. The things he really wants to add on to us isn't actually onto us, what he wants to depart, impart into us first. Because that's what we're really talking about. Being blessed is something that starts on the inside first. Somebody say first. When God works and moves in my life on the inside first, and I see how blessed that I am, then he begins to add onto us. Amen. Amen. So let's look at that first recap point. This morning, before we get into the new part of our message. And so we've been using the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus used out of Matthew 5, right, for this message. And there's a theme of blessing throughout this entire passage of Scripture that we used. We'll get into it. We'll read it here in a moment. But that first point we said last week was this. We said that the Beatitudes gives us a spiritual standard. Y'all, that's what we need to live in victory. It's what your kids need, it's what we need, is a spiritual standard. That's what God sets with His Word. Did you know that? He sets that standard. He, it's speaking that standard every day, right? Giving us a spiritual standard. Uh, we don't need a moral code, guys. It, his his standard surpasses a moral code. There's a difference. A moral code tells us which lines not to cross, but a spiritual standard defines the life we're called to live, Right? You can, you know what, there's going to be a lot, I said last week, a lot of moral people, a lot of people that consider themselves good to the world's standards, you know what, that are going to be separated from God in hell one day. Because they thought they were good. They maybe even gave. They maybe even adopted a cult. They maybe even did some good things. But guess what, Jesus Christ wasn't their Lord. Right. That's the standard. God sets that standard. All those who accept my son will not perish but have everlasting life, right? And so that's one of the standards that God uses, that every body, every soul will be judged on one day. And so his standard is what defines the life that he wants us to live, right? God doesn't want us just to live better or be better or just to be good people. y'all. You know, he wants us to be holy and live blessed. He doesn't want you to be good. He doesn't want you to be moral. He wants you to be holy, somebody say holy, and live blessed, See, because blessed people know it, and blessed people, blessed people, right? And it comes from a place of humility. I don't say that in a prideful, arrogant, confident way. That's what the world says of Christians, that we're arrogant and we're prideful and we're judgmental, but no, we're standing on the Word of God. I know what God did for me, and so I actually have grace and mercy and love for others, accepting them where they're at, right? Right? And I want to help them build build that bridge and gap that place for them to, from being lost into being found in Jesus' name. Right? And so we need his standard. And the Beatitudes give us that standard. So let's go ahead and read it. What do we say Beatitude literally means? I gave you the definition last week. Does anybody remember? Beatitude literally means supremely blessed. That's what that word means. And so God is declaring to his children, for those who believe that, you are supremely blessed. Blessed, but it's upside down and backwards to the way of the world. See, because if, if you gauge your blessing or your blessed life based on the Joneses across the street, you might not think you're blessed because they have a Jeep, right? Or they have the, the 5,000 square foot house. And you might have a trailer or, or a car that's barely running, right? And you might think that they're blessed. You know what? They might just be moral. They might just be good. But if Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, God says you're blessed. Do you see that? Yeah. And so don't judge yourself according to the world, but what, to, what God says, we're going to read what God says, what Jesus gives us the definition of what a blessed life is and looks like. This is what he says. Verse 1, he says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain, and where he was seated, and his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I want to stop there for a moment. Blessed, this is the one we went over last week, right? Blessed for those who are poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about that last week. If you missed it, get online, check it out. It'll bless your life. Amen? Verse 4 and verse 5 is what I want you to highlight or underline this morning, because this is where we're going to hang out today. We're going to talk about these two Beatitudes today. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the what? The The earth. It goes on, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in spirit, they shall see God. Thank you. I lost my place there for a moment. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for our righteous sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you who will revile you or persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward Reward in heaven. For so they are persecuted, the prophets and those who all came before you. Do you see a pattern? Do you see a message that God wants us to grasp today? That if we want to be, you and I can be blessed. But we have to share in the same desires as our Heavenly Father. We can't shy away from persecution. I can't compromise what I believe because if God says it in His Word, I can't compromise what I believe if it might offend somebody in the world. Because if I don't compromise God's standard, I am blessed. A blessed life comes with hardships, that's what's upside down and backwards. We think a blessed life means you don't have any problems. It's just saw all day, every day, right? That is far from the truth, right? Your hardship declares your blessing. Your hardship declares that you're favored by God. You just have to rely on Him through that crack and crevice, through that crutch in a hard place, through that dark place, through that valley, through that, that hill, through whatever it is that is coming against you. If you stand on his word and you fight in his truth and he declares promises, victory will be yours. It's yours. You gotta grab it. You gotta speak it. You gotta open your mouth. You gotta pray, you gotta declare it. You gotta hope and expect, right? Hope and expect. The beatitudes, what we just read. Jesus defines what he calls a child of God. He gives us the blueprint of what it means and looks like to be a child of God. He defines that for us. It, the, the, the Beatitudes, these blessings that we're talking about, they mark us. Who's marked for Jesus? Has He marked your life? Don't deny Him in church. If you deny Him in church, you ain't going to be boisterous about who He is out there. Right? If you're marked, He says, be rejoiced and exceedingly glad. Right? Because your reward is in heaven right? He says, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Look at that, that uh, last recap point that we're going to go over about what we talked about last week. kind of wraps everything we talked about up in one sweet little statement, hopefully, for you today. We said, Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit, that first be to, right? And so we kind of broke that down. We dissected that, that, that statement because that statement says a lot. If, if I'm poor in spirit, then we said that means there's a spiritual poverty, a dependency and expectancy that we're supposed to place on the Lord. Our dependency, right? Prayer acknowledges God as our source. Obedience positions us to receive. And praise propels us to a place of victory. So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The Lord showed me that we are actually, we're actually spiritually rich, right? But before I can see and experience the spiritual richness, I have to first see and know that I'm spiritually poor, Because the only person that can fix you, all those needs that you need to have met in your personal life, your spiritual life, only God can do through His Son, Jesus. So I'm spiritually poor because I'm yearning for things to come, right? I'm yearning for a kingdom not of this place. But in that revelation, I can rest in knowing that God's my source. And I depend and expect on Him through my prayer life, through my life of faith, through the things that I'm doing and saying and believing and trusting in God for. Do you see that? And when I do that, God begins to advance the kingdom. He begins to propel the children of God. Right. That's how we depend and expect on our God, on our Father. And when I do that, I'm actually spiritually rich because if God's the king of kings and he calls you son or daughter, what does that make you? That makes you royalty. That makes you a prince. That makes you a princess in the kingdom of God. I'm spiritually poor, but when I depend on him, I become spiritually rich. Because he fills that, that void in your heart with something from heaven that you can't get from this place. And we're gonna talk about that today, how we try and fill that void with earthly things. And the only thing that it's like that puzzle piece, right that, right in the middle, that only fits. God formed you. He fashioned you. He knows what's, what's, what you need to put in that, that, that voided area, that vacated place. And he wants to poof, like, like a key and just complete you, right? And Jesus is always that first piece. He's always that first piece. Let's look at that in our first new point for today. So we're going to look at the next two Beatitudes that I told you to highlight. And so Jesus said this, which we read, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The mournful are those grieving, the broken, excuse me, and those who wail in English and in pain. The source of our mourning doesn't matter, but what does matter is God has a special blessing reserved for those who look to Him in times of grief and pain. We have all, all. Every single person who has ever lived, who's going to live, who's lived and died and passed away, all have experienced pain. All have experienced offense. All have experienced betrayal. All have been hurt by ones that we love the most. We have all, in turn, intentionally and not intentionally hurt others, offended others, backstabbed others, even Jesus, who was perfect, if you believe He's perfect, somebody say He's perfect. perfect, who was perfect, experienced pain, experienced betrayal, experienced a death on a cross for our forgiveness. And so if each and every single person, without a shadow of a doubt, have I have I talked you into to seeing that each and every person experience, has experienced all these things? If that is true, how much more so does each and every single person need a comforter? Right? If we're all in pain, if we've all experienced pain, how much more do all of us need a healer? Need a comforter? Need a father? Father? His name's Jesus. I hope that don't sound cliche, but it's Him. His peace far surpasses anything that this world can give. It's a peace that you can have and experience on the inside of your heart, inside of your mind, when you're going through something so hard, so painful, so dark. And on the outside, everything's chaos. Everything is not peaceful, but on the inside, when you meet with him in the midst of this trial or test, something happens where you rest and rely and expect for something good to happen no matter what it looks like, right? And so what I want you to see is, in that point, it says the hurt doesn't matter but what does is that there's a blessing for those who look to him if it hurts you what I mean by that is if it hurts you it hurts God there's no pain too big or too small for God not to see it if it affects you it affects God because he is a heavenly father he has the heart of a father he's a good good father this week, little Zanderman, a little pride and joy, he is into everything. Uh, and this is, if you follow Pastor Jessica maybe on Facebook or social media or something, you might have seen what happened this week. They were outside playing like they normally do every day for a couple hours. And he was out on the back deck and he was up on the, the steps there. And she turned her back for a second, she said, and he just, he just turned around and boop, 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 down the stairs. So if you saw him today, he had a couple little red marks on his face, right? I'm working, killing bugs, slaying demons, right, during the week. And so she texts me. She's like, "Oh, baby, I'm, I'm so sorry, but oh my God, I had a heart attack, right? It's the first time he's ever really had an accident." And uh, she sent me a picture, and I was like, I stopped. I was like, "Oh my God, that looks bad." But well, I'm sharing this because I wasn't even there, and. His pain was my pain. The thing that he experienced was like I was experiencing it. And I'm just an earthly father. God's word says, you who know how to give good gifts, I know how to give even better gifts. And so if I feel that way, imagine what God the Father feels when you're going through that dark place. When you keep choosing that, that that thing that is setting itself up between you and God's best in your life, that sin that you, you just can't seem to overcome, when you choose that sin over God's son, it breaks his heart. It broke my heart when I seen my boy bleeding and hurt, and I couldn't be there to, to comfort him. I wanted to just... Scoop them up. And that's the first thing I did when I got home. I, I ran to him. And I said, are you okay, boy? Are you okay, my son? And I kissed him and I hugged him. And what did I do? I comforted him. Even though he was well past it by then. But that's what a father does. Right? That's what your father wants to do for you. Believe me. Jesus understands your pain. That's, do you ever think of it like that? That's why we connect with Jesus so easily. See, because sometimes when I talk about God, we kind of look at God as like, he's our father, but it's it's harder to connect to him because I still feel like he's judging me. He's like God. That's why Jesus had to come. Because through his pain and through him living in a body like mine and, and yours, he bridged that gap for us to be able to relate to God the Father. Do you see that? And so believe me when I say Jesus understands your pain because he's walked it, he's been there, he's been through it. There's nothing too hard for him to help you through. The thing you're praying about and you just keep believing and it just keep doesn't happen and your heart gets broke more and more and God wants you to trust him more and more and it's actually, it's dividing you and Jesus is like, I understand. I understand. But you can't push away the only, the only source to your miracle, right? Look at that next point. This beatitude blessing reveals the heart of the Father like I'm talking about. You were never intended to be broken beyond the point of repair. The blessing called comfort, have you ever thought of it like that? That's actually the blessing, is the comfort of God, that, that the presence of God, he he comes beside you. He carries you. He strengthens you. He affirms you. He loves you. He encourages you, and he sustains you as he heals your broken heart. That's what a father does. He never leaves. He never forsakes. When you're too weak to walk and keep going, a father scoops you up and he carries you himself. When you're lost and discouraged, a father comes beside you. He loves, he encourages, he affirms who you are. He calls the best out of you. He loves you no matter what. Right? This is what God does. This is the heart of God. Hey, and if we've all been hurt, and I said we all need comfort, every one of us desires comfort. The thing is, None of us want that comfort through the process of his presence. You look for comfort everywhere other than the presence of Jesus. You look for comfort at the mall as you go shopping. You look for comfort at McDonald's for some fast food. You look at comfort for some Netflix to check out for an hour and a half. You look for comfort in a pack of cigarettes. You look for comfort in an energy drink. You look for comfort everywhere other than Jesus. And each time we do that, we feel less and less and less peaceful. The blessing of comfort only comes by spending time with God. His presence is the comfort, is the blessing. The blessing of His presence brings comfort. To sustain you, to pick you up, to affirm you, to carry you, to help you. Right? What we all need to do is stop trying to comfort ourselves the way the world does and begin to trust in Him, to meet with Him in prayer open your bible and read it and if if god's i feel like this is for somebody if god's word if you're struggling for it to make sense first get you know there's a lot of translations get a translation that you can understand second pray that the holy spirit would help teach you as you begin to read before what you read because jesus called the holy spirit our helper And he is the best helper I have as a pastor, as a preacher, as a teacher. Because when I do that, revelations come from his word. It becomes alive. It's not just something external that that I just look at and read. It becomes living, breathing word of God and it's applied to my life. That's what he wants to do. He wants to apply his word to your life. right? The comfort that comes from God is the only comfort that will last, guys. It's the only peace that will last. And He wants to give it to us. He really does. God is, think of it like this, He's just waiting for His sons and daughters to like climb into His big, gigantic, cosmic lap, so to speak. Imagine how big God's lap is. right? It's probably massive. He wants His sons and daughters to spend time with them, climb into their lap and have some daddy, son, daughter time. I can remember my dad. My dad was a big old guy. He was like 6'4, just, just a big guy. One thing he did such a great job of as being a dad, he always would hold us. No matter how big I got, the first thing we ever did, he had to give me a big old hug and tell me how much he loved me. He always told me how much he loves me. And that's something that's been imparted to me, that's something that I do for Xander. I'm never gonna grow out of hugging him. Loving him and telling him how proud of him I am. Right, And now that he's getting older, one of the best joys of my daily life is when he comes running to me. Like if I'm on the couch, he comes running to me. He wants me to pick him up. Right? He wants me to pick him up. Why do maybe some of us not desire for God to... Pick us up. Because that's what he wants to do. He wants to pick you up and spend time with you. Have we placed something in front of him? Am I blaming a hurt on him? Because we talked about this morning that that childlike faith, there's something that happens in a child that us adults need to learn from. Xander sees me and Pastor Jessica as his his parents, as his source. We're his source of everything, right? Any parents in the house? You are his source for everything. God wants to be your source for everything. For your spiritual life, for for everything, for it to bleed into every area of your life. Right? Look Look at Psalms 34, 18. It says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. The Lord is near those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Believing when I say that Jesus understands your pain because God sees you. He sees and He understands. He does. He's near to those who are going through, through, through tough things. And I know some of us have been through some tough things. God wants to help you through those things look at psalms 147 3 he what heals the brokenhearted and bandages their wounds who has experienced god ever heal a wound in your life look at all those hands keep them raised keep them raised and i could not talk you out of god healing that wound right you would say only god could have healed me through that thing because it was a mess it was painful Right, And you felt something on the inside, right? God himself, the the heavenly surgeon, performing spiritual heart surgery on you. Performing some some brain surgery on you to transform the way you think about that that thing or that that issue or that that thing that happened in the past. He's transformed you. He healed you. He's a healer, not just of sickness and infirmities and of blindness and of lameness and and, and, and of deafness or or, or leprosy. He's a healer of spiritual needs, right? He's a healer healer of spiritual pain, and He can still heal all those other things too. Come on, somebody. Look at Luke 4.18. I love this. This is Jesus. He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and set the liberty for those who are oppressed. Think of it like this Jesus is anointed to heal the brokenhearted, that's his purpose. That's what he was made to do. That's his calling. He's anointed. He carries the mantle of the healer. He's anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Y'all, our world is full of broken-hearted, desperate, de- depressed, depraved people. And Jesus is the anointed healer. He's the one. That brings light to the darkness. That brings the dead to life. Right? It's what He was created for. It's His purpose. It's who He is. He is the healer. He can comfort you. Amen. Look at that, that next point. The last point we're going to spend on this one, and then we're going to get into that The next beatitude. And I just want to... Talk about how the enemy, he's always trying to pervert what God wants to do. Do you know that? And he uses it to his advantage. Other than, than Jesus, the devil knows the Bible probably just about the best because he used the word to tempt Jesus, right? And so he'll, he'll even use the word to, to, to twist and pervert. He used it in the garden, right? So this beatitude, it rises up against the accusations of the enemy. I want you to see this. Who always blames God for your pain. Satan's scheme, his strategy is to disconnect you from the comfort of God that heals your heart so he can keep you in a place of grief and pain. Unhealed hurt becomes demonic strongholds through which Satan manipulates your life. This is what I want you to know that Satan doesn't want you to know. Satan wants to blame, he wants you to blame your hurts and pain and struggles on God. Because when I do that, I don't run to God as my source for my healing. It disconnects you, right? It disqualifies you. If I see God as the source of my pain, am I gonna run to him to help me? And that's exactly that's the prideful spirit that the devil resides in. That's what that's the prideful spirit that got the devil kicked out of heaven, right? Because he wanted to be God. And when we're living in sin or we're living in pride, we're really, that's what we've done. We just don't admit it and we don't look at it that way. But we've set ourselves up as God. We're trying to make ourselves the healer. I'm trying to fix my own problems in my own way. I'm I'm not praying about the situation. I'm just doing, I'm just putting earthly band aids and uh, earthly cures onto my life, and nothing is happening. Nothing is changing. No breakthrough is happening because I'm not trusting the only one who can help me. I've disqualified myself and I've disconnected myself and the enemy the whole time just going, we got them. Look at them. They're trying to fix it. They're getting worse. They're getting more mad. They're blaming God. Right? God wants us to repent. Part of that word, it means to literally turn around and go a different direction. So if we're going one way, we need to repent and come back and begin to move towards God. Right? As long as I'm blaming God for my pain, my troubles, my problems, I'm disconnected and I'm disqualified, right? From his help. I can think of my life before I come to know Christ and all the hardships that I put Ian through. Before I knew who God was, when I when I lived a life that I thought God was who the world told me God was, right? Through movies and the news, and you know they got it wrong. Unless you are uh, coming to a a life-giving, healthy church. There's good churches. There's bad churches, too. My idea of God was totally false and totally wrong. I thought He was a big judgmental God that that just judged me all the time, right? Growing up, I I experienced some pain. I experienced some things. As I got older, I felt like everybody else, their life was just going smooth. You know, I made it to college. Uh, I, I did it for a couple years. I had great grades in school, but as I got out, it, my life just began, mainly it's because of my addiction to alcohol, number one. I was really hurting myself, but I began to see everybody else's life just coming together. They're meeting their spouses, doing all this stuff. And I began to get mad, and I began to blame God, and the whole time It was because I was getting drunk every single day, getting high every single day, doing what I wanted to do, right? Tried the military. It, it wasn't quite for me. I, I had experienced some, some success, but I just continued to get worse and worse and worse. And the whole time I began to get more mad and mad at God. I tell you I was agnostic. I didn't believe in God. But really when I look back, it was I was actually blaming God the whole time. Thank God for a prodigal son moment. <laughs> Where I came to the light in the middle of my pigsty, right? And now I look to him as my source. Man, that's upside down and backwards. He changed my life. Right? And all I got, when I look back, I say, man, in you was dumb. So I say, was. Because we live in Holly Pond, right? I know it's really a word, but we say was. You was blind. But now I see in Jesus' name. Right? I see. I see that his grace was even over my life in my sin. Man, a lot of preachers aren't even preaching that. He didn't judge me. He kept me safe. Any Alabama fans? This is going to get serious, though. Did y'all hear about one of our very own, uh, Mr. Ruggs? A couple weeks ago, one of our receivers, going 100-some miles an hour, drunk, killed somebody. He's looking at 30 to 40 years in prison. Y'all, I am so thankful that ain't me. Why? It should have been. Should have been. Your pastor used to drive around drunk all the time. Why Why did God give me grace and not rugs? I don't know all those answers. But I'm thankful to God for it. And he still has a plan for me and for him. But I've been praying for him and for the family affected. It's just a mess. It breaks my heart. That's a young kid. He had one year in the NFL. His whole life, his family's life has been changed. He killed somebody. That breaks my heart. Talk about somebody who needs some comfort. Hope and pray he knows the Lord. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians 1, 3-4. I love this verse, too. It says, All praise to God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. God is merciful, Father, and He is the what? Source of all comfort. Man, if I was a real smart individual, I'd underline that one. I'd highlight that one. It says He is the source of all comfort. Anything you're going through, He can comfort you. He comforts us in our trouble so that what? We might comfort others. We're part of a body of Christ, Right? When one member suffers, the rest of the body suffers. So when one of our loved ones in our church family is suffering, we should share those suffers sufferings, excuse me. When seeing what God's helped me through, I'm in turn supposed to help my brother and sister through. Right? When when they're in trouble, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. This is what I'm going to say. Start seeing God as your source of comfort. And the devil as the source of your pain that's the answer to the solution start seeing God as the source of my comfort God you're the source of my comfort you're my healer, my healing comes from you devil you're the source of my pain John 10.10 says the thief Jesus said of the enemy comes to kill steal and destroy something is being stolen, killed or destroyed in my life it's because of the enemy or because of my selfish ways right begin to see God as the source of your comfort amen look at that next point we're done on that beatitude the next one we're going to talk about today is that next one Jesus said blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth meekness is not weakness y'all say that with me meekness is not weakness I like that that's what I feel like maybe some of us may think or if I live for God I, you know I can't be bold and strong I can't. it's the exact opposite Meekness is confidence, right? It's a gentleness, it's a gentle spirit rooted in confidence of God. The, the meek trust God, therefore they don't have to play God by controlling others. That's manipulation, did you know that? And so if you are doing that, if you are living a life of that, that that's actually witchcraft, the Bible says. And so we're not called to manipulate or play God. I'm called to rely on Him. We talked last week, My job, my, my job is to rely on His part, right? I rely on what God did. That's where that meekness, that that gentle spirit comes from. Because no matter what's going on, God, I trust you. I see you. I'm about to maybe, I want to blow up, God. But I'm not. Because I trust you. That's meekness. Right? Meekness is not weakness. It's actually confidence. A gentle, meek spirit that's always expecting something good. Always expecting something good. What's your thought life like? Are you always expecting something bad? The old Ian, I was the most negative, negative Nellie. Pastor Jessica might tell you I'm still the negative one in the family. But God's still working on me. Right? I didn't grow up, but my dad wasn't a pastor, babe. So uh, <laughs> she is very positive, and I'm more positive than I ever once was. Right? But I used to think something always bad was about to happen, and it usually did, because we have what we say. We actually have what we think, I believe. The Bible tells us that. As a man thinketh, so is he. Right? And so now I, I expect good things to happen to me. I expect the favor of God to show up on my behalf. Right? He wants to show up on your behalf. You just gotta, you gotta invite Him, you gotta call upon Him. That's how we, that's how we depend on Him as our source. That's our praise and our worship is what stirs heaven, uh, right? To come and battle for us, alongside us, on our behalf. Hey, when you realize that Jehovah Jireh is your father, you ain't got to bother with whatever. You fill in the blank. When Jehovah's your father, you ain't got to bother. You ain't got to go there. You ain't got to go to that mental place. You ain't got to relive that event. You ain't got to keep daydreaming and, and, and doing all these things, living this... This life of expecting the worst, you can begin to believe and trust in the provider, right? We said last week, maybe if I just begin to believe and expect and trust in the provider, he might actually provide. Imagine that. It's not rocket science, right? Right. Trust in the provider. I bet he'll begin providing in your life with whatever it is. You fill in the blank, right? If Jehovah's your father, you ain't got to bother. Tell your neighbor. If Jehovah's your father, father. you ain't got to bother. Right? Don't go there. Don't stress. Don't get anxious. Don't get more depressed. Don't go there because you know what? Jehovah, Jireh is my daddy God. He created all. He knows what I need. And so God, I'm inviting you. I'm asking you now to help me. It's that easy. Help me. And he will. Look at Matthew twenty six forty nine through 54. This is right when Jesus is being betrayed, getting ready to go and be crucified. So Judas came, Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him a kiss. Jesus said, My friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus, arrested him. But one of the men, but Jesus, pulled out his sword and struck him. Excuse me. High priest, slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. And this is what I love. This is meekness, y'all. He said, don't you realize that I could ask my father, Jehovah, right? For thousands of angels to protect us, and he would. He'd send them instantly. He says, but if I did... How would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? Jesus was God, but he didn't play God. He didn't manipulate the situation. He didn't shy away from pain because he was standing on the Word. No, no, Jesus is the Word. He refused to play God even though he was God. His meekness refused to control and manipulate those men in that situation. He had peace. He didn't stress. He didn't go there because he knew who his father was. And I think it goes even beyond that. He knew who he was. When I know who my father is, I know who I am. And I ain't got to stress, I ain't got to bother, I ain't got to do that. That's what meekness is. Sometimes you got to remind the enemy who you are. Remind the devil who God's made you to be. y'all. And I have to do this. Sometimes I'm getting attacked at work, in my truck, at home, through whatever. And I have to remember that God's my source and the devil's the source of my pain. And so I begin to tell the devil who God's made Ian to be. I'm the first and not the last. I'm favored coming and going in Jesus' name. My ministry is blessed. My wife is blessed. My church is blessed. The works of my labor are blessed. And devil, you are cursed in Jesus' name. You're under my feet. you got to remember who you are. Jesus says, don't you know? that I could call on a thousand angels to come and fight and protect us, and they would come. He said, but I'm going to trust my father. And so when we tell the enemy who he is, reminding them who God's made me to be, I'm trusting God as my source. Amen? That is meekness. That is meekness. Look at that last point. This beatitude releases the blessing of an earthly inheritance. He said, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. The enemy tries to pervert this too, right? It exposes the lie that the enemy says God doesn't care about earthly things. He does, actually. He wants you to have a blessed life. He wants you to have a good job and a nice house and a a nice car and good clothes and all these things. He just doesn't want us to make those things our God, right? God has temporal, earthly, physical, financial blessings reserved for those who through meekness trust Him to be God, who trust Him as their provider, who trust Him as their Jehovah. Our inheritance is given, not taken. That's manipulation. I trust God to provide the needs that I have, and He does. It says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. There are earthly blessings that God has for you. Right? Christians don't take those things. they rely on God for those things. They're patient with God for those things. They believe God for those things, and they trust that God excuse me, going to do those things for us. right? God cares about our eternity. Does anybody agree with that? He sent us on to prove that, but he also cares about your now. He cares about your now, too. He wants you to be a blessed child of God from now until He does call you home. right? He wants to meet our spiritual needs and our physical needs at the same time. I just have to be a good steward of what He's given me, and then he adds on to me. Look Colossians 3: through24. Uh, through I'm going to wrap up. He so says slaves, he's actually talking about real slaves back in the day. Anybody thankful you're not a slave this morning? Right? What he's using this as a parable, Paul, is he says, Slaves, obey your earthly masters and everything you do. Try and please them all the time, not just when they're watching you even. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance. He will give you an inheritance as your reward. And the master you are serving is Christ. Christ is with you always, everywhere that you go. You can't run from Him. You can't hide from Him. He's the way, the truth, and life. And so, if He's always watching you, as the scripture says, we need to always be doing the right thing, the next right thing. Working to please a master who is Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who is Jesus, and He He blesses us. There's an inheritance for us. When you know your God will give it to you, when you know your God's loving, good, and caring, when you know that your God will just give it to you, you don't have to try and take it. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? When you know that your God can give it to you, you don't have to worry and stress out about trying to take everything. Trying to jump line, jump, skip the next person in line to get yours. Right, Rest in His provision. And when He gives it to you, man, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be the best thing that ever happened to you, right? Because His timing's perfect. And He knows exactly what you need. That thing you're trying to steal and get for yourself and your own power, is still going to, you're trying to comfort yourself with that thing. And it's not even going to fulfill you for maybe a day or a week or a month. And God's like, if you would just waited, I had something even better for you. Right? I see people do this all the time with relationships, right? They're waiting for the one, right? Waiting for the one. God's got somebody perfect. And what do they try and do? They try and make it happen. They try and take it. And what happens? It don't work. Babe, I'm so thankful we did it God's way. If you do it God's way, He'll give you more than you even thought you dreamed or needed or even imagined. The way God brought me and Pastor Jessica together is so amazing. Like, we cover each other's blind spots, even. Like my weaknesses, she's, she's strong in. And the couple weaknesses that she has, I'm strong in. Did I say that okay. So I just share that as a as an illustration. You but you you can fill in the blank of whatever you can do that for trying to get the right job or the wrong job or the pray before you buy a car. We didn't do that one time, so we learned that lesson the hard way. Amen. Don't try and outkick God's coverage. Don't don't outkick God. Right? He has got you. Here's the thing I want to leave you with. A blessed man, a blessed woman knows it. A blessed man knows he's blessed. A blessed woman knows she's blessed. And guess what? She can trust in her Father. Amen. She can trust in nothing else because she knows she's blessed. He can trust in nothing else because he knows he's blessed. Amen. any blessed children in the house? Yes, if you're blessed, just raise your hands. I want to pray over you. Y'all join me in prayer this morning. If you're blessed, I want you to leave those hands raised. I want to part blessing over you this, this morning. Even more blessing. You're already blessed. And I bless people, bless people. So God's given me this moment, this opportunity to preach and teach to you today. I hope you receive something. I want to part blessings from heaven unto you today. Father, as we enter into the season of thankful, thankfulness, and thanksgiving and the season of Christmas, all these blessed children of God, Lord, I pray you would meet their needs. You would see their faith. If they've been faithful with little, God, give them more because they'll be faithful with much. God, if they've been faithful with, with, with everything in them in this tough season and this thing that got blindsided by, God, that you would bless them. God, bless them with things from heaven. God, I bind the enemy right now in Jesus' name. Anything that the enemy tries to come, kill, steal, and destroy, you can't have. God, we have earthly inheritance and we have a heavenly inheritance. God, I call them inheritances forward now in Jesus' name. Inheritance for the kingdom of God. Inheritance for children of God. Inheritance for men and women, blessed men and blessed women today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Last thing I want to do, you can lower those hands if you want. If you've been born again, I want you right now to pray for the lost. If you know the Lord as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray for those who don't know Him as as Lord and Savior. And What I want to do is, as y'all are praying, if you are here today, or you are watching us online, and God's not your source, Jesus is not your Lord, He's not your Savior, man, I want you to change that today. Change that today. Don't just change your eternal destination but change your earthly destination. You're probably running the wrong way, a 1,000 miles an hour away from God, and God wants to call you home today. If you feel separated, like you're on the outside looking in, and it's probably because you are, God says, come, just like that, that heart of a father like I shared today. He wants to literally embrace you, pick you up into his lap, and comfort you right now. So if you want to make that decision today, it's going to be super easy. All I want you to do, no one's looking at you, I just want you to stand up right now. Physically, stand up. If God sent his son to die for you on the cross, the least you can do is stand up. Hallelujah, there are people standing. Praise God. Liberty Church rejoices, Remain standing. No one's looking at you or watching you. Heaven rejoices and the kingdom of God rejoices. If you're standing, I just want you to know God loves you. He sees you. He wants you to trust him. He's done the hard part so that He can carry you through the hard parts. Amen. Amen. I want to lead us all in a prayer. If you would, say it after me loud and proud. It's going to go like this. Heavenly Father, God, we believe in You. We accept Your Son. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I now confess, Jesus, that You're Lord. God, send the Holy Spirit to help me, to lead me, and guide me from this day forward till you call me home. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Y'all go ahead and give God a big hand this morning. Who's glad you came to church today? Bunch of you, so awesome. Man, that's why we do what we do. Kingdom of God growing. And uh, there's a forever family for anybody who comes to see and believe that Jesus is Lord. Amen. So awesome. We love you guys very much. Normally, I would dismiss you. We are going to stay for a few moments. I'm going to ask Miss Marlene. Is Bobby here too? He's not here. Okay. Everybody give Miss Marlene a, a hand. She has a heart for veterans. She just she loves uh, veterans and understands their sacrifice that uh, they do for our nation and for our country and this last week was veterans day and so she has come and she is going to do something special for the few veterans that we have amen and so i'm going to go ahead and let her uh have the floor so to speak maybe a few but you're still
1: worth it <laughs> it's still amazing to get to be here and a privilege that i am so thankful for actually um i'm thankful for a church that allows this and recognizes you the way they do um no matter how great or small i can't make it big enough to show appreciation for you so at this time i want you to stand uh... for the pledge of allegiance and then we're going to go into the national anthem attention salute pledge i pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible, with liberty and justice for all.
2: Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early lights what so precious
1: So before I announce the veterans, I want to tell you a little bit of how I got into this. Back about seven years ago, I got an interview at the VA. They're in Gunnersville, and I went for my interview and uh, on that day, I had to sit out in the lobby for a good while and while I was there, there were men and women coming in from all walks of the, of the military. They, they had on their hats and they had on their shirts that represented what branch they were in, what era they served in. And as I, as I watched, they all walked in and they shook hands with each other and they had a, a common uh, a camaraderie, is that the word? Brotherhood, uh, brotherhood that, yes. And it was amazing watching them. And I sit there with this lump in my throat. Now I'm a wife of a veteran of 23 and a half years, and he served in Iraq. So a, a, a year of that, he was deployed, and I felt like a single mom with with uh, child support, um, basically. Because um, I hardly ever got to hear from him. But it's watching these men and women come in uh, and shake hands and they and acted like they all knew each other. I sit there with a lump in my throat before this interview. And then I went back for my interview and (laughs) I was asked a series of five questions. The last one that really stuck out was one that was like, what qualifies you for this job? And I had to sell myself for just a minute. But the last thing I said was it would be an honor for me to get to serve these men and women this way. I got the job. And to this day, it is an absolute honor and a privilege that I get to walk in and serve veterans on a daily basis. And um, something else I shared at at the last service was I see a whole lot of, Pastor Keith's big word, epigenetically modified people (laughs) where I work. And they're not only, modified mentally they're physically modified as well there's some of them that has been through some very tragic events due to their service and their sacrifice to our country but what i have found is no matter what they did if they were in an office or if they were on the front lines every one of them signed up and they did their part and would have done whatever they were called to do and those sacrifices I don't want to ever be unnoticed because that that is so great and so wonderful. And I myself am so grateful because of those sacrifices we all get to be in here today and sit with these freedoms that we have that we're still you know, we're still having to fight for basically. So on that note, I'm gonna introduce the veterans that you have some that wouldn't allow me a privilege of getting to uh, is sitting here today, but I, and I will mention that name in a minute. Uh, the first veteran I want to acknowledge is Pete Critner Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and can I say I'm your nurse? No, yes, you <laughs> and I'm his nurse. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for your service. And Mr. Mears Dick Waldeck. Okay.
0: They
1: let him out? Yeah. We'll, we'll get him in just a second. Here he serving. comes. That's awesome. Him. That is awesome. <laughs>
0: there he is.
1: Yay! <laughs> Thank you for your service, sir. Thank you. And last but not least, Pastor Ian Westbrook. And just, just a little plug, if you have not tried Southern Hickory, I mean, Smokestack Barbecue, where the old Rancho used to be, they contributed to the gift cards that we give the veterans. Their food is amazing. And it so at this time, I want to pray for you veterans, and then I uh, give it back to Ian to dismiss or however. Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for this day that you have set aside to honor these veterans and the sacrifices that they have made for this country. I thank you. For getting him here again this year and, Father God, for the years to come. And I pray that in this year to come that you will continue to bless them and bless them abundantly. And, Father God, may their sacrifices be noted and their generations uh, uh, to come be blessed as well. And I give you praise and glory for each and every one of them and for this opportunity. And in Jesus' name, amen.
0: So awesome. Everybody get one more hand to Miss Marlene. Thank you so much for coming all the way from the AREP campus to do that. But uh, such an awesome day in the house of the Lord. And so we're so glad you came. Okay, y'all are dismissed. Enjoy your Sunday. Come back, see us next week. Bring a friend if you want.